Father, we pray today that that would be our heart's cry. God, that we would be led to the cross by the power of your word. That God, as we dig in, as we look at what it means to be battle ready. God, that we would be people who know that being battle ready means that there are also going to come times when we will face the battles. That when all hell breaks loose in our life and we feel like we have lost utter and complete control, God, that you will stand right beside us and you will fight. You will fight for us. And so, God, may we understand that in the midst of the spiritual battles we face, the personal struggles we deal with, God, that you are raising up and calling out leaders who will lead the way and be battle-ready, battle-tested and battle-ready to walk forward by faith. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we wrap up our sermon series called Battle Ready, Moving Forward by Faith, you can flip to your, uh, in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 23. I hope you've been encouraged by Joshua. Joshua is a great book. It's probably one of my favorite books in the Old Testament just because I love battles. I love military history. I love everything about the, my military life. When I look back at the military, I'm like, man, I just, I mean, and I'll be honest with you, there are times where I'm like, man, I wish I would have stayed in. And then I realized, well, I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have the kids I have. I wouldn't have the blessings I have. And, and to be honest, a military life is not necessarily, it can be, is not necessarily a life that is great for the family. There are lots of great things through it. And I believe some of the, 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 the people who sacrifice the most are the families of those who serve in the military. But one of the things that I got to experience while in the military was being on an aircraft carrier, learning to lead under those who were the greatest leaders at the time. Because the reality is this, all right? There are many pilots, for those of you who don't know, every aircraft carrier commanding officer or captain is a pilot. Now, for those of you who are in the Navy, that seems kind of weird, all right? Because what they do is they take the pilot and they train him in shipboard activities and how to lead an aircraft carrier and the pilots become aircraft carrier captains, all right? And so I got to serve under some of the best leaders, what I would say, in the world. As a matter of fact, I went back and looked. I was, I was doing some investigating. I went back and looked to see my old commanding officers. I ended up having three. I served under three of them. Uh, on, you know, I was on a ship for three years, served under three commanding officers, all right? My first commanding officer, his name was, he eventually became an admiral, uh, became vice admiral, which is a three-star admiral, and he ended up becoming vice chief of naval operations, all right? His name was Jim Natham. Jim Natham was a great leader. Matter of fact, you can go on Wikipedia, you can go on Google, you can look him up, and, and, and that was my encouragement. I was like, oh, I want to see where my, my old CEOs, where they, where they became, or what they, what they became, what they ended up doing. And, and Captain Natham uh, became an admiral, a rear admiral, lower half, then became a rear admiral, upper half, then became a, a vice admiral. And so he, he ends up retiring as a three-star. He ended up vice chief of naval operations, which for those of you who don't know, is the second highest ranking you can get in the Navy. The first highest is the chief of naval operations. I mean, you're, you, are, you are over the Navy when you're the chief of naval operations. But one of the things I got to experience while I was in the Navy was three change of commands. And in those change of commands, there's something that goes on where the incoming captain evaluates 
and looks at the ship. He looks at shipboard readiness. He looks at the personnel. And then he takes over control and says, I realize that your ship is now battle ready. I'm going to relieve you of duty. And so the old captain says, I am turning it over. I am, I am relieved of duty. And the new captain comes in. He says, I am relieving you of duty. And now he lays out his story, lays out his goals for the ship. And so one of the things we got to experience, and for those of you who don't know, if you've never been in a change of command or any sort of military, um, what I'll call pomp and circumstance, this is not a small deal. Because there are very few aircraft carriers in the Navy. When an aircraft carrier's change of command comes in, it's not just like, oh, hey, look, a couple captains. It's like full bird colonels. You've got generals. You've got prestigious political people show up. And so it's just this all hands on deck, pomp and circumstance, and the captains get the chance to present a, a, a statement or a speech of where they're going to take the ship, where they're going to take the personnel that are assigned to them. And this is what we're going to be looking at today in Joshua chapter 23, because Joshua has come to a point in his life where he, is, he knows he's going to die. He has reached an age. He is going to die. Matter of fact, in Joshua chapter 24, you'll see the death of Joshua, and he's going to go and be buried. But in Joshua chapter 23, he calls all the leaders together, and he challenges them as a leader. And remember last week, we talked about what it means to lead from the second chair. But this week, I want to challenge you with this. Everybody needs to be challenged in leadership, because everybody is a leader. You may not think you are. Matter of fact, last week it kind of blew me out of the water when I said, Who's the leader here? And not a single person raised your hand. That honestly disturbed me. Because then, what's that? Well, I, and I understand that, but I also know, I also know from my own, like if I was, I'd be like, Dude, I'm a leader, bro. You know, I mean, like I don't like to be a follower, I'm not a follower. I mean, I will follow other leaders that are above me. Don't get me wrong, but I would rather lead than follow. Does that make sense? All right. But I also know my role. There are times where it's better to follow because somebody has more experience and, and better leadership character. So I'm going to follow this person because I want to learn from them so that I can become a leader like them. I want to be a better leader. All right. But here's the thing that we have to do. This is a challenge to leaders. This is a biblical challenge to leaders that Joshua is going to lay out. And so in the midst of what went on in a change of command was a challenge from the captain to step up to the, the calling that we were to fulfill as a aircraft carrier in the Navy, the role that we played as an aircraft carrier in the Navy. And look, there is no small task for a leader to come in and lead an aircraft carrier, just like it is no small task for a godly person to lead out in the direction that God wants them to do and to get people to follow him. Because Joshua had a role to play and Joshua led God's people in a direction. But now listen, Joshua's going to die, right? A good leader realizes that at some point he's going to be out of the picture. And a good leader needs to look and go, okay, hey, I've got to evaluate what's going on. I've got to raise up leaders. I've got to have people who are behind who can step in and carry the torch or carry the mantle, kind of like Elisha did with Elijah. And so what we have to do is look at the challenge to leaders because that's exactly what Joshua does in Joshua chapter 23. And so we're going to follow along in Joshua 23. I'm not going to read all of it, but we're going to jump into it. And I'm going to read it as we go through because I have to begin to understand or we have to understand that in order to move forward by faith, that there has to be a leader who challenges 
other leaders to move forward by what? Faith. We have to begin to see the big picture of moving forward by faith. And Joshua's speech here is reminiscent of the last speeches of Jacob in Genesis 49, of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32, of David in 2 Samuel chapter 23. In this speech, Joshua is passionately urging Israel to be steadfast in loving God and obeying the law and keeping themselves, listen to this, keeping themselves uncontaminated with the religious practices of the other nations. Joshua's challenge to leaders is there is a way that is right to man that leads to destruction and there is a way that is right and obedient to God that leads to moving forward by faith. That's the role of a leader. The challenge of a leader is to see what God is calling him to do, to do it and at the same time to bring people with him. And so Joshua realizes the role and the challenge to leaders, and he's going to challenge his leaders in a greater way. And so I believe it is our responsibility to passionately pursue God's presence. It's vital that we create an environment of faith within our lives and the church, and the key is remembering that we can't pursue God's presence where God's presence is not. We pursue God's presence where God's presence is. So we must create an environment that welcomes God and that's an environment of faith. I believe one of the biggest struggles we have in church today is we don't walk by faith, we walk by sight. You show me, I'll do it. But you're asking me to do something I haven't seen? Nah, you're asking way too much of me. The church needs to learn to walk by faith and the leaders have to learn to walk by faith as well. Now, I believe wholeheartedly that faith is not blind faith. Faith is trust and knowledge of who God is. Faith is walking in obedience to what God has already laid out before us. And I believe that we can learn a lot from what Joshua challenges to these leaders. So if you have your Bibles, Joshua chapter 23, I'm gonna read the first two verses. That's it for right now. And then we're gonna jump in. Listen to what he says. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel what? Rest. Keep that in mind. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then old and well advanced in years, for those of you who are older, next time somebody asks how old, just say I'm well advanced in years. You don't need to know my age. You know, at least from a guy standpoint, you always ask a woman her age and all of a sudden it's like, yeah. All right, so he says, I'm old, he's well advanced in years, and Joshua summoned all of Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and he said to them, listen, I am old and well advanced in years. Okay, Joshua just told them everything they already knew. Dang, dude, you see how old Joshua's getting? Joshua realizes the situation he's in, and a true leader should always realize the situation they're in. But I want you to remember this. If you remember anything else, remember this, that godly leaders will be led by God and must call others to follow him by faith no matter the cost. You get that picture? Godly leaders will be led by God and must call all others, must call others to follow him by faith no matter the cost. That's the reality of what we play out. Godly leaders will be led by God. I mean, that kind of seems... Repetitive, doesn't it? Redundant? Wait, a godly leader will be led by God. Well, tell me something you don't know. 
But the reality is there's a lot of times that godly leaders aren't led by God because what we do is we end up kind of letting others influence us. So yeah, there's times where we're led by God, but there's times where we let the influence of others lead us. Godly leaders will be led by God and must call others to follow him by faith no matter the cost. Listen, a leader is gonna realize that there's a cost to leadership. A matter of fact, one of the things I learned while I was in the Navy was sometimes when you earn a leadership position, it costs you a friendship because you're no longer a friend, you're a leader. You are in charge of this individual. And they all sudden kind of test the boundary, especially when you're young. I mean, when you're 19 years old and you're in a leadership position and you've got 18 year olds, but you also got guys who are 23. I had a guy who was 35 who was under me. I'm 19. That didn't go so well. All right, because I'm like, well, I'm in the leader, bro. And he's like, I'm 35, I'm double your age. I'll kick your tail, you know? <laughs> leadership will cost you friendships. But you have to understand that when I call others to walk forward by faith and following God, following him by faith, it could cost me. So what's the challenge for leaders? That's our question today. What is the challenge for leaders? Every leader faces challenges. What is the challenge for a leader? And regardless, listen, last week we said this, regardless of if you identify yourself as a leader or not, these are things you should understand and realize that you, if you want to lead, if you desire to lead, need to understand because these are key things to look at. So what is the challenge for leaders? Number one, challenge number one, a leader's faith leads to rest. Now, that's hard to understand, right? But the biggest challenge is this, most leaders don't rest. We don't rest, we gotta do. Leaders are doers. Leaders are task managers usually. Leaders have lists. Leaders have goals. Leaders are constantly moving. Leaders are the guys who are like out front. Everybody's like, I don't believe how much you're doing. What, can you just rest? Can you sit down? Can you wait? A true leader, a leader's faith leads to rest. And that's what Joshua's laying out. Listen, after a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel what? Rest. Why? Because they had been obedient Obedience leads to resting in who you are. Obedience leads to resting because God takes care of what he called you to do. God takes care of what he promised he would do. Remember, he said he would lead them into the promised land. He would fight for them and he would take care of it all. Remember, we looked at Jericho a couple weeks ago. All they had to do was march around. Didn't even raise a sword. God fought for him. God goes into every battle for them and leads them. God is the one who accomplished the big picture ideas of them accomplishing and moving into the promised land. In order to move into the promised land, a true leader's faith leads to rest. And that is this, that when God has called me to do something, I know that he's gonna be faithful to it. And so my faith leads me to rest in God. I rest in the fact that he has it under control. I rest in the fact that there is nothing I can do in my power that is going to supersede his ability. As a matter of fact, a lot of pastors struggle with this because here's the reality. God says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not. What do most pastors do? We try and build. 
We try and change. We try and do things that will lead to a building of the church, all out of good intentions. Listen to me. We want to see God's name made great through the churches we lead. But a lot of times, this fault right here is a massive fault with most pastors. When something comes up, we don't rest. We work harder. And what I'm going to tell you is this. If you lead a ministry, you lead out in any way, your tendency is going to lead to where I got to work harder. I got to do more. I got I to keep the people happy. I got to make sure we're going in the right direction. And, and you continue to go down that road and you never rest in the fact that God has you right where you're supposed to be. I love the beauty of it because what has happened is they have gone through the battles they are battling, battling, battling. They're taking over territory. They're reestablishing. They now break up the land amongst the tribes. And I love how he lays it out. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all the enemies around them. Why were they receiving rest? Because they were obedient from the get-go. Rest came after, listen, rest came after the battles. You get that picture? They were faithful to do what God called them in the first place, which was to go in and take the territory, go into the promised land. They had to battle, they had to win it, and then rest came. And my challenge today is this. My challenge to you as individuals, my challenge to myself is this. When I am faithful, a leader's faith leads to rest. When I am faithful with the little things, when I'm faithful with everything that God has called me to do, it leads me to rest. And I believe that one of the biggest things that I have learned over the last five years is sometimes my insecurity, my desires as the pastor don't lead to rest. They lead to work. And as a result of that work, it's not work by faith. It's work by grout. It's work by me. I'm just going to do it. Well, that makes sense. We'll just work that out. But when I walk forward by faith, when I'm obedient to God by faith, when I do the little things by faith, it leads to rest. Not chaos, not confusion, but rest. And so a true leader is going to lead or a true leader's faith is going to lead to rest. So that's a challenge for leaders. That's what we begin to understand that Joshua had to learn to rest in God first because it's the Lord who fought for them. It is the Lord who led them and it is the Lord who gave them rest. God is the one who answered it. See, rest is a result of God's blessing, is it not? Rest is a result of God's blessing. Rest is a result of God's promise. Rest is a result of God's work. Rest is a result of God's deliverance. Rest was all a result of God first and foremost because they walked by faith. All of that is the result. So a true leader's faith leads to rest. If you aren't leading by example, then quite simply, you aren't leading. So I learn by faith and as I learn, as I lead faithfully, a leader's faith leads to rest, it will cause others to lead to rest. To rest in the fact, listen to me, to rest in the fact that you are called to greater things than just sitting in a pew. You are called to accomplish greater things than just serving in kids' ministry or just pastoring. You are called to greater things than just that. 
You are called, you were saved, you were bought, you were purchased, you were redeemed so that you could lead others to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that he rose again, defeating sin, defeating death and offering people life and life more abundantly. You have more of a purpose and more value than you think. You are not valued based solely upon what you do. You are valuable regardless of what you do job-wise. I think that's the biggest misnomer or misconstrued idea. Well, if you're really of some value, then you're gonna be a pastor or missionary. You know what? Every job field is a missionary field. Whether you're working in the insurance industry or working at Quick Trip, Walmart, driving trucks, whatever it is, that is a mission field. And you are planted, you are gifted, you are encouraged, you are bought for a purpose. And you can use your job, your abilities, your talents, your heart, your passion, everything to see people come to Christ. So don't look and go, well, I just work at a bank. I just, I'm not that big a deal. Okay. Well, why don't you bank to the best of your ability for God's glory? A leader's faith leads to rest. What's challenge number two? Because godly leaders will be led by God and must call others to follow him by faith. But what is the challenge? What's the challenge for leaders? Number two, a leader's, the challenge is this. A leader has to remember what the Lord has done. Remember exactly what the Lord has done. See, Joshua could have lived out his later years content with what he had accomplished, but he wasn't. Instead, we see Joshua still invoking God's promises. He knows that there's still more to go forward. Matter of fact, if you follow along, look at verses three through five and listen to what he says. Starting in verse three, you yourselves have seen what? Everything the Lord your God has done to all of these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who what? Who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the great sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised. So listen, here's what he says. There's been a period of rest, all right? But there is still more to be done, right? It's basically saying, look, there are more to be driven out. Why? Because you haven't completed everything. You can rest even though your task hasn't been completed. Why? Because I rest by faith in God and he then accomplishes everything through me. But we have to remember that big picture. What is the big picture? That we have to remember what the Lord has done. Joshua lays that out. Hey, don't forget. Remember how I have allotted this inheritance, but also don't forget that you yourselves have seen everything the Lord has done. That's the beauty, listen to me, that's the beauty of being a part of the family in the church. Because when somebody else experiences new life in Christ, you get to celebrate that. When a kid, children's workers, when a kid accepts Christ, you had a role to play in that. Greeters, when somebody who's on the streets going through 
pure torment because of everything that's going on comes in the church and you're the first line of what I'll call defense, the first line of encouragement for that person because you never know what they're gonna do when they walk in. You never know what they've gone through in their life. You are a step in the process to see somebody come to Christ. A, rem- a, a, a leader remembers what the Lord has done in your life and you can go and say, man, imagine what God could do in this person's life. You know, I, I'm not for sure if I shared this ever once, but we had a girl come to our church, a girl, a, a teenager, we are youth pastor down in Texas, and maybe I've shared it. If I did, I'm, forgive me. But I remember this girl and boy, we showed up at church. We'd been upstairs in the Sunday school classroom and we come down and they were sitting in the third row up towards the front, right where all the teenagers sit. We always had the kids sit up front with us. Teenagers, first three rows, nothing but Teenagers. And I walk in, I'm like, hey, how you guys doing? Introduce them. They tell me their names. I said, what brought you to church? Now, you don't get this very often, all right? Reality check. But the girl looks right at me. She goes, I'm thinking of killing myself, and I figured church was the last thing I could give. And I'm like, uh, because what do you say? You're standing there. You don't know this person's background. You don't know their life. You don't know the struggles they've gone through. You don't know the family situation. You don't know any of that. And look, I'm not saying everybody does that, but what I'm saying is as a greeter, as a, uh, as a person who, even let me tell you this, if you're not part of the First Impressions team, you should still go out of your way to welcome everybody. You don't have to have a big conversation with them. You may be an introvert and be like, dude, you're asking me to go way beyond my, ball, my boundaries. Like, I got a circle of privacy, and it's right here. And anybody talks to me, I don't want to talk. I understand. Like, I'm weird. Like, I talk to everybody. My wife will tell you. If there was a person painted on a brick wall, I'd probably go talk to him. All right? So that's just me. All right? I know I'm weird to some of you, but what I'm saying is you never know the role you're going to play in somebody's life. A simple hi, hello, how you doing? My name's such and such. What's your name? We're glad you're here. A leader remembers what the Lord has done. A leader remembers where you were, but doesn't let where you were hold you back. And that's the beauty of what Joshua's laying out. See, Joshua reminded them that it was the Lord who had fought for them. And trust me, we have to begin to understand that God is going to fight for us. When he's called us to do something, he will take care of it. We just have to be obedient. I have to lead by faith. A leader leads by faith. So I have to be obedient to what God has called me to do. And if he's called you to do it, then just be obedient. Remember what the Lord has done. Remember how he delivered you. Remember how he saved you. Remember how he paid the price for you to show you how much he loves you. I mean, that's the thing we have to begin to understand. There's this lie going around the world that you have no value or purpose unless somebody, unless you have a lot of money or you have a great job. That's the biggest lie. That's what Satan wants to to lead everybody down into this this destructive lifestyle because your value is wrapped up in how much you make or your value is wrapped up in what you do. And if what you do doesn't seem to make that big of a difference according to society, then I have no value. And what we have to begin to understand is, no, you have value because Jesus said you had value from the get-go because he went to the cross and God showed you you have value because he sent his own son to the cross for you. A leader remembers what the Lord has done. The greatest fight that God ever fought for us was the fight on the cross, the fight in the grave, the fight for our sins. 
The greatest victory we ever experienced was the fact that Jesus rose again, offering, listen, offering me life. Regardless of my past, regardless of how bad I think I am, regardless of what the rest of society says about me, Jesus says, I have value, I have purpose, and I have meaning, and he died for me. So I remember what the Lord has done. And when I remember what the Lord has done for me, the desire then is this, that what the Lord has done for me, I'm going to pass on to others. I want them to know. Moving forward by faith means I am obedient in the little things. It means that I remember what the Lord has done because it is, the, it is God who gives the victory. Number three, what's the challenge for leaders? What's another challenge we have to look at? A leader challenges others to remain faithful. To remain faithful. Look, there's this lie that for some reason has run around like crazy around the church. And that is that when you're faithful, it's never going to hurt. When you're faithful, you're going to be rich. Matter of fact, if you watch any, well, let me, no, I'm not even going to waste my time. There is a lie that is running rampant that if God, if you were really obedient and faithful to God, that you would be rich. It's called the prosperity gospel. It's something that is going crazy. A leader challenges others to remain faithful regardless of the cost. Remember our first statement at the start. To remain faithful regardless of the cost. Look, Jesus never said it was going to be easy. Jesus never said you weren't going to have problems. Jesus never said there's not going to be any pain. There's not going to be any sorrow. There's not going to be heartache. There's not going to be hurt. Jesus never said that you're not going to struggle with sin. Jesus never said that you're going to be rich. So put that to bed. Jesus gave us wisdom through his word so that we can make wise decisions and follow him. That we can receive our strength from him so that when we do go through the pain and the heartache and the turmoil and the despair, that we can rely upon him. That when I have something I have to conquer, the, 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 the difficult things, the obstacle that's in my way, the only way to overcome that obstacle or that struggle is by God. Why? Because God fought for me, not because I fought, not because I dug in and said, you know what, you just gotta suck it up, because God fought for me. And so a leader challenges others to remain faithful. Look in verse six, and listen to what he says. This is, remember, Joshua's talking to the leaders even talks about it. He says, you know, he summoned all of Israel, their leaders, the elders, the judges, and the officials. All right, but listen to what he says in verse six. Be very what? Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. And then listen to what he says, because he knew this was gonna be an issue, and I still say that this is an issue today. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Now, let me clarify, because somebody's gonna go, see, I don't have to hang out with lost people. Baloney. That's not true at all. What God is setting up the standard here is to say, look, I know what's going to happen. You have a job. You're supposed to go in and take over the land and you're not supposed to associate with these people because of their religious practices, all right? So listen, 
Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. So here's the reality. Here's what happens. A leader challenges others to remain faithful. And here's the big picture. I wanna ask you, are you faithful to the teachings of God's word? Are you surrounded by or taking part in the buffet of religiosity? Because there are things that God's word says that the world's gonna say, well, that can't be true. And then we start to go, well, yeah. See, Joshua was calling the people to obedience, to remain faithful, to challenge them to remain faithful no matter the cost. And listen, a lot of times we like to surround ourselves with a lot of junk. Now, I'm not a horoscopes guy and I would challenge you to say if you read your horoscope, that's one of the issues. Besides that, they're a bunch of made-up junk. Seriously, if you believe that, come on. Like some newspaper is going to have the, 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 the key to your future every day? I can tell you what the key to your future every day is. You want to read? Read God's Word. You want to know what you're supposed to do? You want to know how you're supposed to act? You want to know, hey, what, what, what's my future wife or future husband going to be? Guess what? Follow Jesus and he'll show you. Don't follow some editor sitting in the Kansas City Star office who's like cut and paste. Hey, throw that in there, man. It was last week's too, but don't worry. They won't know. I mean, come on. And then on top of that, think about all the religiosity that's honestly running around. Do you realize that people are more religious now than they ever have been? The problem is they just don't want truth. And trust me, the church is running rampant with people who still don't want the truth. My question is, are you taking it in? Because this is what he says. Hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord led them into the promised land. The Lord fought the battles for them. The Lord was the one who was leading them further into the future. All of that because of obedience. As they were obedient, God led on. So he's calling them out. He's challenging the others to remain faithful. And what I want to challenge you today is this, that you remain faithful to the word of God, that you remain faithful to what God is calling you to do as long as it lines up with the word. And here's the big picture. Here's one of the things I always struggle with teenagers because I'd have some teenage boy come in and go, Brian, I love my girlfriend. Great. I'm going to sleep with her. No, you're not. Well, I mean, you could, obviously, I guess. That doesn't change the standard. The standard is still there. See, Here, here's one of the things. We don't like standards when it makes us feel uncomfortable. God doesn't care what you think. God cares about your holiness. God cares about your set apart. God cares about your faithfulness, your righteousness, your obedience. That's what he says. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You've been set apart to accomplish my work. And so when God calls you to do that, that's not up for negotiation. So a leader challenges others to remain faithful. Faithful to the cause, faithful to the call, faithful to God first and foremost. And I love what he says. The Lord has driven out before you. Verse nine, listen to what he says. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. And I love this. One of you routes a thousand. Why? Not because you're Navy SEAL. 
or a Green Beret or Delta Force, not because you're part of CIA Special Ops, not because you have some great weapon and power at your hand that's gonna blow the daylights out of whoever it is. Nope, one of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you. Listen to me, church. A church that is successful, a church that fights the good fight, that remains faithful to the end, a church that is obedient to the cause that God has called us to do, a church that stays on guard and realizes that it's the Lord who fights for us, that's the church that's successful. Because remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We don't look at people as the problem. People aren't the problem. The problem is Satan has consistent grip on society. And we can see that throughout 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That the God of this age, the, the, the God of this age being Satan, if you read it in context, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And so when people act hate-filled towards Christians, whose fault is it? Who's been misled? Who isn't seeing clearly? Well, they aren't seeing clearly, but why? There's a bigger picture. A leader challenges others to remain faithful, and we must be faithful no matter the cost. See, the Bible tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, Hebrews chapter 11. So by faith, Abraham was declared righteous, and by faith, we are saved, we are sanctified, by, and we are justified. By faith, we can extinguish Satan's fiery darts, and we're delivered from the lion's mouth, and it's by faith that we can overcome the world. The problem becomes when we allow others who believe differently than us to mislead us or give us advice that doesn't line up with the word of God and doesn't line up with walking by faith. By faith, Noah built an ark of which everybody looked at Noah and went, you're a moron. What do you think it's going to do? Flood the whole earth? We're all going to die? By faith, a leader challenges others to remain faithful to God, no matter the cost. So we must hold fast to the Lord to cling tightly to it because in time, you'll begin to be misled by people who believe differently. That doesn't mean not to associate with them. Listen, there was a big picture idea here. Remember what we, got, we have to remember is that we are to be in the world, not of the world, all right? So I stand on the truth of God's word. And I've told you over and over and over again how the, the, the impact I've had on guys in softball. Is it easy? No. Is it for everybody? No, I understand. Look, if you struggled with alcohol and drugs and you were in the situation I'm in with these guys and I'm playing softball with, that might, well, not, not even drugs. I don't know any of them do drugs, but alcohol, all right? That might be a tough situation for you. I don't have a problem, number one, because I hate alcohol. <laughs> it's gross. Number two, I don't go down the road they go down. I can hang out and talk. I cannot talk like them. I can talk in great ways. And it has led to many great conversations in weird ways. When a dude's standing there drinking a beer after a softball game in the tailgate of a pickup and we're all talking and we have conversation about the gospel. I know that's not for everybody, but I know what I've been called to do. So I remain faithful and I challenge others to remain faithful regardless of the cost. Number four, what are the challenges? What's the challenge for leaders? Number four, a leader must love God first. And I know that this is number four 
it should really be number one, but I took it in order in the way the text goes. So listen to what he says. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So listen to verse 11. So be very careful to what? Love the Lord your God. Matthew chapter uh, 22, verse 37. Luke chapter, I, I think it's 10, verse 27 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. The first and foremost command of everything that goes on is to love God first. And loving God means I am following him. Matter of fact, there's a point in time where it says, if you love me, you will obey me. Obedience is a sign of faithfulness. And so God lays this out that I must love God first. And so, like I said, I know it's number four, but it should be number one. Love God. And I want to ask you that question. Do you love God first? Our struggle and our defeat are usually built upon the fact that we fight for ourselves and don't love God first and foremost. And number five, and this is what we're going to wrap up with. We said a leader's faith leads to rest. A leader remembers what the Lord has done. A leader challenges others to remain faithful. A leader loves God first. And listen, number five, a leader calls others to serve together. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over to Joshua chapter 24. We already read it. But there was a point in time and Joshua knew it was coming up. They had a choice. They could go back and serve the gods that their fathers had done beforehand, before Egypt, before they had crossed the Red Sea. They could serve the God of the Amorites, the, the people that they were going in and taking over their land. But Joshua stands up and he calls others to serve together. And he says, look, you got to choose for yourself this day who you're going to serve. But as for me, as for my family, as for my house, and listen, that's more than just him and his kids and wife. Joshua's in his 90s now, maybe even a little older. And he's calling that on his household, his namesake. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Listen, church, when families come together and serve the Lord together, the church is strengthened. The body of Christ is built up. Other families are reached. And it's just a repetitive, awesome cycle of seeing God at work in the lives of people. Every bit of our faith matters. When I'm faithful to the little things, God gives me more. And so I stand before you today as a leader who says, look, I know I don't have everything together, but when it comes to it, I want to be a church. I want to be a people who fulfill these things that we will lead by faith that will lead to rest, that we will be people who remember what the Lord has done. And I just think about it in, in a short five years, and I'll be honest, this is my flaw, this is my struggle, but in a short five years, we went from running about 25 when we got here to running in the mid-60s. And I know from my standpoint that I'm like, oh my gosh, we're still so far away, but listen to me. That's the negative Nancy in me, all right? And I had to be reminded over Thanksgiving even of the blessings of God what, is God, what God has done. And it's not up to you, it's not up to me on how God builds the church. We can make key decisions, we can walk in obedience, we can walk by faith, but I've had to learn that I have to sometimes rest knowing that God is at work 
And it's all in his timing. But to go from five years ago, matter of fact, March will be five years ago, five years ago of running about 20 people near death, worried about what's going to happen, to seeing people come to Christ, to seeing people baptized that we just got to experience last week, to seeing people who have been baptized and led to Christ now serving within the church. Those are all blessings that God has worked out. Yeah. And that's something that you, that's something that everybody should be encouraged by. But it doesn't stop. Listen to me, it shouldn't stop. We rest in the fact that God has us where we're at. We move forward knowing that God wants us to do more because that's what I look at. Joshua's saying, look, you gotta go on. You gotta keep staying. You gotta remain faithful. You gotta remain obedient. Why? Because there's so much more. You can't give in. You can't, you can't be surrounded by and, and take in the, the teachings of the outside world. You gotta remain faithful to my word. You gotta walk forward in faith and you gotta accomplish what I have set out for you to accomplish in the power of the spirit because we can't do it on our own. Only God can do it. And so here's how I want to close, very simply, all right? And I believe that God is raising up leaders in our church. I'll tell you one of the things that is my goal over the next year. I said it uh, a year ago, a matter of fact, and I've had a couple people come and talk to me and say, dude, what's going on, all right? A year ago, in all actuality, I got hit with a right hook out of nowhere, and I'm just going to tell you that point blank. For my last year, this last year, I couldn't hardly make a decision. If you asked me what color I wanted to paint a wall, I wouldn't even be able to tell you that, would I? I couldn't make a decision. I was frozen in fear. I was stuck going, God, what do you want me to do? I questioned everything that went on. I doubted leadership ability. I doubted even that I should be here. I thought, you know what? Somebody else has got to do it. They're, they, they can take it. I'm, not, I'm out of here. And God had to nail down and say, dude, you're not done, bro. Get over your little Sally stuff. Sorry if anybody Sally, all right? <laughs> Quit being a wimp. Suck it up. I didn't tell you it was going to be easy. And what I had to learn is that sometimes it ain't going to be easy. You're not going to get what you expect. You're going to get what God gives. And there's nothing you can do to control that other than, listen, be obedient. When I walk out of obedience, when I walk by faith, then I can go. And so I challenge you with this because I believe a leader calls others to serve together. When we serve together as a church, united around a mission, united around a purpose, then we're successful. When we try and do it on our own, we'll fail. And so I want to encourage you as a church today is that maybe somewhere deep down inside, God is calling you to step up and lead. A church will only go as far as its leadership. I'm telling you that point blank. And the pastor can't carry it, and even one or two other individuals can't carry it. You know, the old statement says everything rises and falls on leadership. We have a chance to move forward. And God may be calling you something, you to something greater. What is he calling you to do? Let's pray. Father, we know that you have fought so many battles, so many fights for us that we sometimes get so caught up in the negative. We look at, at the bad things. We look at the situations. We let the, 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 those things just overwhelm us and overcome us. But God, you have called us to so much more. 
And so may we remember where we were. May we remember where we were before our life with Christ. May we remember where we were as a result of even just five years ago with the situation the church, is, the church was in. May we remember what you have done for us, that we would be obedient to move forward regardless of the cost, to be faithful to what you have called us. And so God, as we stand and sing this, may we be leaders who rise up to the occasion who say we will not go silently, we're not gonna give up, but we're gonna rest in the strength of our Father. We're gonna rest in the fact that Jesus is fighting for us. We're gonna rest in the fact that the Spirit will give us everything that we need to answer when we are questioned and to accomplish what we need to accomplish. And so God, today I pray that as we wrap up this Battle Ready series, may we be people, each of us individually, but together as a church, battle ready, ready to move forward by faith because we know it's by faith that things are accomplished in your kingdom, not by our works. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.